Hallelujah. Lord, we do trust in you. Hallelujah. You are reliable and you are faithful. We serve a living God. Hallelujah. Not a dead God, but one that rose from the dead and ever lives to make intercession for us with the Father, and he lives in us. Thank you, Lord. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Your promises to us are yea and amen. Heaven is not closed, but your ears are open unto our prayers. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray. We pray for our church family and for the families of our church family that you would strengthen each one with your mighty power by your spirit, that each Lord would walk in the will and the plan and purpose of God in strength, in wisdom, in godliness, being doers of the word of God. We pray, Father, for this great state, that the reign of God would fall upon our state, that the reign of God would fall upon our nation, that the reign of God would fall upon the earth. Lord Jesus, that your name would be glorified, that the church would arise in glory, that the church would arise in power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And even as you told us, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the Middle East. We have been doing this, Lord, for many years. <laughs> we have been doing it here in our church, in our prayer meetings at least 10 years every single week <laughs> and many are praying lord we thank you lord that those prayers are working hallelujah 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 show forth your glory lord and if you can agree with that say amen amen praise the lord it's great to see you this morning uh, before you're seated why don't you turn around and introduce yourself to several people we're going to dismiss our junior. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're going to stay in here for Daniel. I don't know what to tell them. They're going to stay in here. Yeah, you're not dismissed yet. For those of you who are watching us online, we're glad that you joined us today, and we know that you're going to be blessed. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to remind you, uh, uh, well, I guess I should first say, if you're visiting with us today for the first time and worshiping with us, we're so glad that you're here. And if you wouldn't mind just getting a connect card from the seat in front of you, filling that out, putting that in the offering as you uh, as it comes by today, we would love to contact you. If there's anything we can pray with you about, uh, just let us know. We love you. Amen. Uh, today, after the service, we're going to be having our international Thanksgiving meal. And don't, don't be concerned if you forgot about it and you did not bring, bring food. I implore you to stay because we have so much food. We always do. And we have a great time together. So stay with us after the service and uh, enjoy some great food and even better fellowship. And um, uh, we appreciate that. Tomorrow, um, uh, we're going to be decorating our church for Christmas. We already actually have a great team in place. However, if... Um, if you would like to join us, because we have a lot of fun, we will be here uh, starting at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And um, so if, you, if we don't know about you and you would like to join us, please come to the church at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, then next Saturday, ladies, remember, it's, uh, we're having a self-defense class here at the church. And um, Desiree, uh, who everybody knows, who is one of our security team, she'll be teaching all the ladies some really good moves, I guess. And um, so join us here at the church. That is at, oh, no, 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 I'm wrong. It's not Saturday. It's Sunday, yes. And it's at 1 o'clock in the afternoon next Sunday. Praise the Lord. Um, then I want to let you know, and remember, we've been talking about it a little bit, and that is we're going to be having a beautiful Christmas concert here at the church called Orchestrated Christmas. It's going to be on Sunday, December the 17th. And um, this last week, we had um, a meeting with Leon Lacey. Uh, he, he's been here at the church a few times, and He's going to be bringing his 24-piece orchestra, five-person band, five vocalists, including Daniel Rodriguez, who's going to be singing today, which we'll tell you a little bit about that. So you get just a little preview of what this is going to be about. I just want to say, if you just think, oh, ho-hum, a Christmas concert, I'm going to tell you, do not think of it that way. It's going to be beautiful. I mean... It's going to be amazing. It's going to be the best thing we've ever had musically at our church in 37 years. Of course, minus the first year of the church when I was leading worship without any instruments, a cappella. <laughs> so minus that, of course, right? But it will be beautiful. I promise you it will put you in the mood for Christmas. Leon loves the Lord. It's going to honor the Lord. And so don't just, um, don't just come, but get a ticket for a friend. Invite a friend. Invite a neighbor. Invite somebody that's not born again and just say this is a Christmas concert because it is. And um, so I just really encourage you to, um, to in invite other folk with you. We are selling tickets this morning 
at the information center. The tickets are $25, and then children 13 and under are free. And so, um, so be sure to, to get your ticket soon and um, invite some others to come with you. Praise the Lord. Then um, we're going to show you a video now of Samaritan's Purse. Pastor Mike loves these. I thought actually about not showing one today, but he was disappointed when I didn't uh, see one last week. We didn't see one last week. And so um, uh, today was the deadline, but in true fashion of Foothill Family Church and Samaritan's Purse shoeboxes, we have extended it one week. Thank you, Mr. Dean, because most people are late, right? So anyway, everyone knows what it's about, but let's watch this video that they're going to show us today. Go ahead and roll the video. A lot of people, when they think of Fiji, first word that comes is that it's a paradise. I want to go there. Some of them have said, this is my bucket list to get there. Fiji, it's a paradise with the lovely beaches, friendly people all around. You can see beautiful hotels and resort and all the luxurious life people are having it here. Yes, Fiji is a paradise, but weather plays up a lot. There's a lot of storms here, there's a lot of rains here. It really floods a lot from November to April here in Fiji. The floodwaters went through my house twice. After the first one, I do my cleanup, ready to bring my family back home, and the second flood came in. And during this flood, most of the children, they are being affected. Sometimes their school books, school bags, food in their house is being washed away. Rain becomes an obstacle, but it also gives us an opportunity to see what else God can do. When our containers comes in, it always comes in a very challenging time for us, especially if it's a, it's a cyclone season, it's a rainy season. And so our boys work so hard to get all these boxes out of the container in time. All these changing of weathers does not slow down the work of Operation Christmas Child in Fiji. Rhino shine, blood, cyclone, but ministry has to move on. And so this Operation Christmas Child ministry, national team, regional team, we push through it. Sometimes we have to go in the weather to reach out to those children. Operation Christmas Child motivates us to push through for us to reach out for the unreached, especially the children. And what we are doing about it is to go through any challenge that comes across and grab every opportunity and open doors that open for us and above all, the gospel message. Man. If you're unable or you don't have time to do a shoebox yourself, you can just designate on your offering envelopes, shoebox, Samaritan's purse, something like that. And um, we will put one together for you and be sure that they get one um, that uh, from you. So you can do that in the offering. Uh, we're going to uh, ask our ushers to come at this time, and we're going to receive our, our offering. You can find envelopes in the seat in front of you. And then... Um, we are so blessed and honored to have with us this morning 
Daniel Rodriguez. Um, I was not familiar with him. I'm just honest. But I have looked at his website. I've listened to numerous of his uh, uh, songs that he has done. He was referred to as the singing policeman, and he's sung around the world. Uh, he won't need any introduction. Uh, you'll just be very blessed. Daniel will be one of the uh, vocals that will be here with us. Um, for our Christmas concert, and he's going he's gonna to come bless us um, uh, in just a few minutes. And excuse me, I forgot. Um, he, is, he is singing some patriotic songs for us today in honor of Veterans Day. And so we do want to acknowledge any veterans that we have in here. If you served in the military at all, if you would stand, we want to honor you today. We appreciate your service. Thank you so much. And actually... Uh, Thank you so much. Actually, uh, Dr. Schneider's son, um, Daniel, is in the Air Force, and so he is, well, I don't know if he qualifies for Veterans Day. He's in the academy, yes, 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 uh, but he doesn't qualify yet. You qualify after you're done, I guess, right? Yeah. Anyway, he's, he's in, going to be a veteran one day. And anyway, so, um, so we just appreciate Daniel so much being here with us today. Oh, Daniel, I was referring to, to Daniel Rodriguez. Anyway, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we honor you today with our giving. Our hearts are with you. And you said where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And our, so our hearts with, are with you, Lord, to walk in obedience to what your word tells us to do, to give, to bring our tithes and to bring our offerings and to honor you. And so with our, with our finances, with our, uh, with our time, with all of our life, do we give unto you, Lord, as you tell us to do. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Long passion. Daniel Rodriguez's powerful and warm tenor voice is familiar to millions of Americans. He's singing songs he loves. Be my love, no one else can this Performing on the biggest national this stages. Moment, this precious and thrilling fans across the country. My past and make some sense at this is the Patriotism and the faith that is the driving force in his life are often reflected in his recordings. Maria. 
O'Neill's path to success was unusual. A few years ago, he was a police officer in New York City. But even as a cop on the beat, music was a big part of his life. Becoming a police officer was the best thing that I had done for my life and for my dream. I became the official national anthem singer for the NYPD after singing the national anthem at my own graduation, and I became known as the singing cop. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light. It was in the dark days following the September 11th terrorist attack on the World Trade Center that the singing cop gained national fame. Daniel's unforgettable rendition of God Bless America brought comfort and hope to the nation. God bless America, my home, sweet Since then, America's beloved tenor has achieved many of his dreams. He travels the world as a featured concert performer and is in constant demand as a singer at national sports events. With several albums under his belt and doors continuing to open, this gifted singer has found a place in America's heart. pleasure and honor to be here with you this morning to worship and to celebrate Veterans Day. Um, I've chosen three selections that uh, since 9-11 had really um, become ingrained in our, in our psyche. Um, and as a tribute to the first year leader of worship, I will do the first one a cappella. <laughs> Please stand. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight O'er the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly streaming On the rocket The bombs bursting in air Gave proof through the 
time I sang the next song, a friend of mine was sitting in the audience and he had his phone and this gentleman uh, probably was still carrying a flip phone and, and he was holding it up and I wondered what he was doing and when I saw him later I said, hey, uh, what, was, what were you doing with the phone? He said, well, you were singing the song uh, uh, my friend uh, wrote and sang and I called him up and he was listening to you. So this is Lee Greenwood, who's become a really good friend of mine uh, and is uh, proud to be an American. God bless the USA. Just my children, but my 
thank you so much. Well, I want to close with um, uh, the last song, or the first song I say I sang uh, after 9 11. Uh, as you heard, I was a first responder on the day. I was across the street when the towers came down. And since then, I've had a wonderful uh, opportunity to share the gift that God gave me uh, with many recordings that I travel around the world, inspirational music. And um, I brought one with me today. I'll be in the hallway out there. It's called Amazing Grace. And uh, please stop by and say hello. Um, this song is as true today as it was when Irving Berlin first wrote it. And there's a preamble to the song that goes like this. As the storm clouds gather far across the sea, let us swear allegiance to a land that's free. Let us all be grateful for a land so fair as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer. God bless. Thank you, sir. Amen. Well, you don't get better than that. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Father, we do thank you.
for the wonderful things that you've done for us. We thank you, Father, for all of your blessings. We thank you for the blessings that you've placed upon this country. We thank you also, Father, for the truth of your word, the foundation of our lives. We thank you, Father, for open hearts, listening ears today. We bless you, Father. We bless you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start this morning in Genesis chapter 1. The first chapter of Genesis is the creation account. And it tells us there are ten times in this first chapter of Genesis where God says something and creation occurs. After each day, he looks at what he's done and pronounces it to be good. But then on the sixth day, Genesis 1, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God created his, create, he finished his creative work and pronounced it very good, which literally means he, he pronounced it perfect. Now folks, Satan is nowhere to be found in this. And God reveals his will in verse 26 concerning mankind. And his will was for man to have dominion over the earth. You know, it's an amazing thing to me how few Christians either know or focus on the purpose for us being here. And God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness and let them have authority or dominion over the earth. Psalm 115, verse 16 says, The heavens, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men.
Now, everything that God created was according to his will. And so we can see very clearly, very specifically, that it is the will of God for man to rule in authority over this earth. I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now folks, there's probably no other scripture in the entirety of the Bible that is more poorly translated than this one. And I, I think the, the only explanation for it is the lack of understanding on the part of the translators. A translation is really based on two things. One is the translator's knowledge of the language In this case, it would be the King James English. But the other thing is the, the knowledge of the translators concerning the character and the nature of God has to factor in there. And in Philippians 2, the translation is so botched up that we're left without definitive instruction concerning Jesus and the equality with God that he either had or didn't have. Verse 7, the word reputation means to empty. Made himself of no reputation or emptied himself and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now let's look at what Jesus said and did to come up with a, a good understanding. In John chapter 17, after Jesus has spent the, the Last Supper, with his disciples. They go out from that place. And Jesus prays a prayer. Verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, the work that he finished is identified there in the four Gospels. He's exercised authority. 
over sickness and disease. He's performed miracles of every size and shape. I have glorified thee on the earth. Verse 4 again. I have finished the work which thou gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus is talking about a glory that he once had that was not a part of his physical existence. He's calling for the glory that he had before he came to the earth to be restored to him. But if Jesus didn't have this glory on him in his physical form, then the idea that Jesus went about doing healing works and miracles to prove that he was the Son of God is out the window. He's not performing miracles because he's the Son of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus went when he was about 30 years old to where John the Baptist was baptizing and he presented himself to John to be baptized. John didn't understand that. He knew who Jesus was and so he said, you ought to be the one baptizing me. But Jesus implored him to go ahead because it would fulfill the prophecy that had been given many, many years before. And the Bible says that when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River, when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended on him and landed on him like a bird would flying down from the sky. And there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son. In Him I am well pleased. Now after the Holy Spirit comes on John, or comes on Jesus, after He was baptized by John, that that was the beginning of His earthly ministry where He performed miracles and healings. So here you've got Jesus who was the Son of God who emptied himself of the glory and power that he had with God before the world was, before the world was ever created. And after he was anointed of the Holy Ghost or empowered by the Holy Ghost, then his healing and miracle ministry began. Now folks, I've got a question for you. I want you to consider if Jesus is the Son of God, thank God he is, then why would he need to be anointed? And who can anoint God? 
This makes it a little more understandable why the scripture says that he made himself of no reputation or he emptied himself of all of his heavenly power and glory and came to the earth as a man. Jesus identified himself 60 times in the four gospels as the son of man and only five times as the son of God. And how many times did Jesus state that he was not the one doing the works, but the Father that was in him was the one doing the works? John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? Then Jesus answered him. The Jews answered Jesus, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because thou, that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. If Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God, this is an example of how he considered himself to be equal with God and certainly the way that the Jews interpreted it. The Jews say, said that making the statement, my father and I are one, makes him equal with God. And Jesus answered them and said, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because thou said I am the Son of God. Now let's turn back to Psalm 82 and find where Jesus is, is the scripture that Jesus is referring to. Psalm 82, verse 6. I have said, this is God speaking. I have said, you are God's, and all of you are children of the Most High. This word God's is the word Elohim. It's the same word that's used in Genesis 1:26. And God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. So God is choosing to make man in his class of being. Now let's back up to verse 1 and see the context of these things being spoken. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the God. This is the word Elohim again. Now, some people would say, well, yeah, that's just the Elohim. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost being spoken of here. But notice verse 2. How long will you judge unjustly and accept persons of the wicked? Now, if this is the Elohim that he's speaking of, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which one is he saying is unjust 
There can be no unjustness in the Godhead. So he can't be talking about God and the Trinity. He's got to be talking, therefore, about men. So Jesus, after being questioned by the Jews, said that he and his father were one. He understood that meant that man was in God's class of being. But apparently it's always been an issue since Jesus was here. Mark eleven twenty seven says they came again to Jerusalem and as he was walking in the temple there came to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and they said unto him by what authority doest thou these things and who gave thee this authority to do these things and Jesus answered and said unto them I will also ask of you one question and answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things the baptism of John was it from heaven or of men Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he'll say, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of men, they feared the people, for all men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering said unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. What was Jesus' source of authority? His source of authority was the empowering of the Holy Ghost when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Jesus was a man, fully a man, completely a man, without any additional power or characteristics beyond that that every man would have. But the anointing of the Holy Ghost is what brought power, healing power and miracle working power to bear in his ministry. Look with me to Luke chapter 9. Verse 1, it said, Then he called his disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The association or the connection that's made between the kingdom of God and healing the sick should not be overlooked. He gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Jesus took of that anointing it came upon him when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River and he distributed it to the apostles and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God 
Now, the only definition of the kingdom of God that we have was given to us by Jesus. It's in Matthew chapter 6. And it's where the disciples came and asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And Jesus taught them, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is where the will of God is done on the earth just like it is in heaven. Now, folks, God doesn't have two different wills. He doesn't have a will for one thing in heaven and something else here on the earth. He never changes. So when he tells the apostles to preach the kingdom of God, he's telling them to teach people that what we know God wants for us in heaven is what he wants for us here on the earth too. Now you start talking about heaven and people know or assume certain things much differently than here on the earth. We know in heaven there's no sickness or disease. We know there's no lack. We know that everything is at peace. And the reason that these things are is because it's the will of God. Well, if we know the will of God for things in heaven, why wouldn't we know the will of God for things here on the earth? So he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse 6, And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. The good news that he told them to preach was that the will of God, God wants his will to be done here on the earth just like, he, just like it's done in heaven. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Verse 1, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Verse 8, And into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you not, Go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, Even the dust of your city which cleaveth on us we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. So he said the cities that would receive them would make healing available to their population. But if they didn't receive them, wipe the dust of the city off against them, but still let them know the kingdom of God was here to perform healings and miracle works for you, yet they rejected it. Notice again the, the association between healing 
and the kingdom of God. Let's get down a little further. It says in verse 17, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Now, folks, we know that there was a war in heaven where a third of the angels took Satan's side and rebelled against God. And the Bible says they were cast out of heaven. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And that casting out of heaven was done before the creation account we have in Genesis chapter 1. So Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the authority of the enemy. This first word power in verse 19 means ability. But the second word power is a different word that's translated and it means authority. Behold, I give you ability to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the authority of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So the disciples that make up the 70, when they went out, they were commissioned to do pretty much the same thing that the apostles were. But they find that the authority that Jesus has given them his authority over the devil and his power. It would certainly be above sickness and disease. Behold, I give you ability to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the authority of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Folks, authority is real. God's placing man in authority here on the earth is very real. It's mighty in the work that it produces. And Jesus time and time again connects it with the kingdom of God. The restoring of the sick from a diseased condition is the will of God in action. Now I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. The one man he's talking about there is Adam. If Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden caused spiritual death to, re to reign, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Well, reigning in life is the operation of authority, isn't it? couldn't reign in life if you didn't have authority. 
Now compare this with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, 21. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We stated from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it shows us that God's plan and purpose, his will, was for the earth to be ruled by righteous people. God didn't make man planning for sickness and disease or approving of sickness and disease. That's why whenever we see the work of Jesus, we have to recognize that it's the substitutionary work. He suffered so that we need not suffer. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He suffered penalty and the punishment of sin even though he committed no sin himself. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Here's God coming back on the scene to bring his will into effect. When we give our hearts and our lives over to, to God through the work of Jesus, the resurrection work of Jesus, we are putting ourselves in position to dwell in the kingdom of God. He has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Folks, there's nothing that the devil can do if we take our stand of authority. There's nothing the devil can do because our authority is over all of his power. It doesn't say that the devil doesn't have any power. It just says that we have authority over it. So just as God exercised his creative power by speaking words that brought things into existence, we're to be followers and imitators of him to speak his word exercise authority in our own lives over our own bodies let's back up a couple of verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15 therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, who has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. This word reconciled and reconciliation means an exchange. It's talking about a substitutionary work or an exchange. Jesus exchanged our punishment for his righteousness. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and having committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. This exchange or mutual exchange that's translated reconcile means for us to take knowledge that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We're a new species of being. When we take hold of the saving and redemptive work of God, For God has made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There's a lot more to our righteousness than what most Christians take advantage of. We are when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives, we are putting ourselves or we are committing ourselves to be children of God. And children of God are made righteous. This doesn't have anything to do with the wrongdoings that you and I participate in. It doesn't have anything to do with our sin. It has only to do with Jesus being made sin for us so that we might take possession of the kingdom of God and the healing and miracle work that's a part of that. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He's redeemed us from the curse of sickness. He's redeemed us from spiritual death. He's redeemed us from poverty and lack. We are made new creatures or a new creation, a new species of being because of the substitutionary work of Jesus. Because of the suffering that he took upon himself. He was made to be sin for us so that we could may be made the righteousness of God in him. Sickness cannot remain on our bodies. 
when we take authority over the curse of the law. The curse of the law is identified as every sickness and every disease known or unknown to man. But as we exercise our authority, and we are to exercise our authority the same way the Bible says that God has exercised his authority in the creation. Ten times he said, let something be. And according to his words, something was created or something was made to appear. So when he gave man authority over the works of his hands, He intended for us to follow his example and exercise our authority by the speaking of words just as he spoke words that carried power to create. For God has made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Participators in the kingdom of God, join heirs with Christ in the things that his name has authority over. God has made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We thank you for your great plan of redemption. Thank you, Jesus, for what you were willing to suffer for us. The terrible punishment that you endured Because of the price that you paid, we are made righteous by the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we are in you. We are in Christ Jesus. Your spirit dwells in us. Your blessing is upon us. Thank you, Father, for your word that tells us how to live up to the truth, how to live up to the things that were purchased for by the precious holy blood of Jesus. So now we are made righteous. So we speak words of authority over our flesh. We curse every sickness and every disease that would come against us. 
In the name of Jesus, we take authority over these things. And we refuse to allow the work of Satan to remain on our bodies. Thank you, Father, for making Jesus to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus' name, amen. I think too many of us are looking for God to take us to heaven. and are looking to spending eternity in heaven with our Heavenly Father. But folks, that's not God's plan. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 21 that after the tribulation is done, after the millennium is completed, that God takes the new Jerusalem and brings it to earth. So we've got Christians trying to get away from the earth and into spending eternity in heaven and God's plan is to come to earth and dwell with man to dwell with righteous men and women if God would do that if he would go to the trouble of bringing the new Jerusalem to land and inhabit this earth, how much more would he take necessary steps to bring his kingdom to pass on the earth? Now, while his children accepted in the beloved in our exercise of authority say this after me I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have been given authority to destroy the works of the devil through the exercise of my authority in the name of Jesus. Sickness cannot stay on my body in Jesus' name. 